0: Hello, and welcome to the Anseen Podcast. My name is Arjun Mota. I'm joined, as always, by Aditya Vedapudi. Aditya, say hi. Hello. Today, we're talking about a movie that I think is probably under-discussed by film viewers. It's a small movie called The Social Network. Uh, Aditya, I think you might have heard of this one. Yeah, it rings,
1: it rings a bell.
0: It's the 2010 movie directed by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin, and it covers a version, let's say, of the founding and early legal troubles of Facebook. I guess now it's called The Facebook Company. That's the rebranding they're trying to do. They brought the the back in an ironic uh, twist. Uh, This is obviously a movie that has been discussed a million times by folks. And we wanted to try to bring something interesting about a movie that we still love deeply without talking about something that's been done to exhaustion. So we picked a scene that we're hoping is still has some meat left on the bone. Um, I think they do want to talk about what scene we uh, decided to choose.
1: Yeah, so we picked... I, it's kind of the second major scene in the movie. It's after Mark Zuckerberg is broken up with by his girlfriend at the time. He goes back to his dorm, and he's pretty resentful about it. And he starts drinking, and then he's kind of live-blogging his feelings, and it results in him creating the website where you compare two girls' uh, photos with each other, crashing the harvard computer network because it's so popular among the guys
0: yeah and i want to say another important detail that that is sort of the main meat and potatoes let's say of the scene it's it kind of cuts in between though between him actually making the face mash the sort of rating girls website as well as a party happening at one of the i think they're called final clubs at harvard right Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah so these are these sort of ultra elite clubs that you have to be invited to try to Rush is the wrong word, I think, because they don't consider themselves fraternities. I don't really know all of the lingo, to be honest. It's sort of been a while since I engaged with the mythology of uh, Harvard because they rejected me. Should we uh, talk about the scene itself then?
1: Do you want to talk about when you saw the movie?
0: Yeah, I think right before that, uh, scene metrics really quickly. This is in the video we found on YouTube has this as an 8-minute and 25-second scene. It covers quite a bit of screenplay. I think I counted it at around 12 and a half pages. Like I said earlier, it came out in 2010, written by Aaron Sorkin. We've already done one of his movies uh, in, I think, our, what was our second episode? Or first episode? Charlie Wilson's War. But this is sort of considered his magnum opus, let's say. And going right into when I first saw it, this movie comes out, Am I, I want to say like fall or winter of 2010, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a senior in high school that year, and I don't know, I, I think sort of normal for most families is when you come home, when all the kids come home for the holidays, or people are just together for the holidays, you'll have like a family movie outing. To my recollection, I think that evening, the parents were, my mom, aunt, uncle, my dad were all cooking, so the kids went out and caught this movie.
1: Yeah, it came out in October 2010. I think I didn't actually see it until it was out on DVD. I never saw it in theaters. I saw it after or maybe right before all the Oscar discussion about, because it ends up losing Best Picture to The King's Speech in one of the all time great travesties. But I saw it on DVD with my parents. I remember we were looking for something smart to go watch. And I ended up watching it like twice that weekend. I love this movie. This is my favorite movie. I want to say ever, I think. like it's, it's definitely up there. I've seen it maybe 15 times in the years since. Yeah, I, I vividly remember just, like, senior your head school. you kind of sort of know what you're talking about a little bit when you're talking about movies. Mm-hmm. And this was one where I could tell it was a little different, like the the way it's written so fast, the way people talk so fast, compared to something like The King's Speech was getting a lot of news at the time that was so traditional that even I could recognize like the beats of a typical biopic or genre story that this this really stood out as something new and it was really exciting for
0: me. Yeah, I, I, I do remember actually the second time I watched it, which must have been early 2011 when it comes out on uh, Blu-ray or rental or whatever it was, and I remember watching it then for the second time I watched it with my parents. It was their first time. And when they saw, my mom especially, saw the final club stuff and she was like, my child is going to college and this will be it.
1: <laughs>
0: um, you mentioned its competition, its infamous competition, I guess, with The King's Speech. Like you said, pretty infamous loss. Like, it should have won, I think, by basically everyone's opinion in retrospect. My semi-hot take is that The King's Speech
1: is not a bad movie. I fully agree. I don't think... Yeah, I think it's kind of like a Moonlight La La Land thing where one doesn't have to diminish the other. They're both... Yeah. One is just so clearly different and... Better, honestly. I, this was in 2010, right? End of... The decade but really the start of the it kind of anticipates how the 2010s are going to look really it's very cold and brutal and fast-paced and kind of mean and the king's speech is so much a relic of a different time that i think in retrospect it only becomes a more obvious choice at the time people like the king's speech i like yeah i think it's like i
0: feel like ray romano in um the big short where he says you go on the internet and people hate forrest gump freaking best movie ever yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like i really like forrest gump but yeah like i can see why people say you know it's a travesty that it wins these awards over let's say pulp, pulp fiction or something yeah but, um but I, I really enjoy forrest gump anyways
1: it's not, the, it's not the point of this or did get i think eight nominations i think it won for screenplay for something
0: too. yeah i i remember it being uh sorkin has this pretty sweet uh speech where he's talking about like how his daughters uh should not feel intimidated by being women and should still go out and. Strive for excellence and look at all the intelligent, strong women in this awards room right now. You can be one of them too. Don't feel yeah. Up. No, I think you
1: solved that that sexism problem.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, what six years later, Hillary Clinton gets a nomination. So I think I think that 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 seems like a direct line. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's talk about the actual seat because we've been here for almost we've been here for a while and we haven't gotten to it. We just rewatched it with the screenplay in front of us. Do you have any notes? from watching it with the screenplay it's
1: uh interesting in the screenplay it looks like the cutting between what mark is doing in his dorm room and the party is much more rapid and much more frequent yeah and it's almost like sometimes mark's voiceover or mark's getting cut off because they're cutting to the party scenes i kind of like the way it turns out in the actual film where it's much more gentle paced cutting but you still get the point i think it would have been overkill to cut you know every scene every line like they were doing in the screenplay. i super
0: duper agree with the screenplay it's just insane to me i mean this is the case without reading the screenplay too but just how precise sorkin's dialogue is in this movie i don't know many people who are sorkin's age who are just dropping like pearl and i'm going to run like An Apache and so on and so forth. Like, I didn't expect someone of his age to just be doing all of this uh, on this screenplay.
1: Not even that. Like, we've read, we've done a few episodes of this now, and and a lot of times there's sort of natural deviations from the script that the actor makes. Yeah. And I don't know how he does this or whether it's a a matter of Fincher saying, hey, stick to the script, but this is almost line for line what it turns into in the movie. And either Sorkin himself is just an ace at writing real dialogue. And, and to me that comes through in like the short verse. It's like, are you all right? I need you. I'm here for you. Like that exchange is so good.
0: Right. What what I actually even find potentially more impressive is him describing the final party thing. He, ri- he writes these lines that are like, so I'm looking at one that says uh, when it's first introducing them, walking into the final party, we see a shot of uniformed female bartenders making a couple of drinks with top shelf bottles, a DJ working with the highest end equipment, and 20-year-old guys, some of whom look 15, in blazers, khakis, and club ties. Like That detail of 20-year-old guys, because we all have friends like this in college, 20-year-olds who look like they're 15, and it's supposed to be mm-hmm. that off-putting and jarring, especially again, if you're my mom and you have a child about to go to college, that like this is what's in store when you kind of give teenagers unencumbered like they can do whatever they want
1: yeah this is and and this is like a screenwriter who's completely in control yeah. of what he wants things to look like which is what makes this movie so interesting because he worked with fincher who's also fanatical about maintaining control about what he wants his scenes to look like so either they were on the same page you know the whole way through or they figured out this way of working together which you know both of them were extremely satisfied and i know you you hear about fincher having problems with a lot of people that he works with and sorkin kind of being extra demanding so it's cool that they got to do this
0: yeah i'm gonna move this right into what separates the scene excuse me from the rest of the movie i couldn't say the writing separates it from the rest of the movie because the whole movie is written this well but it does feel super it feels so specifically detailed here we talked about a little bit like the college stuff but on top of that not just like the partying but in the dorm room did little details i think of the, just frankly the casual misogyny of being a sophomore in college who's just been broken up with
1: yeah i think you're right in that the writing is excellent but it also communicates more about kind of subtextually what zuckerberg is about
0: yeah you find out without without him without i mean it's, it's some of the most incredible exposition i would say of all
1: time yeah exactly and and he doesn't sort of handhold you through the process like I'm sad dot 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 oh maybe I'll do something to lash out dot, dot dot he like drops you right in the middle of what Mark is doing and it's it's a really effective way to get at the yeah. heart and I stuff. mean it
0: starts with like the you know Erica Albrecht Al- Albright do you think her family from Albrecht or because she's like a 34 or whatever like whatever he does about her bra size which you know again like pretty pretty bad but immediately yeah. tells you who this character is and how immature he is because he's he is like 19 that's that's unfortunately how 19 year old uh, boys who are like him at harvard (laughs) end up
1: being you don't want to put too much weight on this scene in this movie but if this is the scene that's depicting sort of the genesis of social media and what it would become right makes a ton of sense to see that the whole field is rooted in this kind of resentment almost and and anger and that's kind of what has come to define interactions especially for women on social media so you kind of see the birth of that sort of dynamic and it's emphasized by like he's this guy who's angry and lashing out and he's sitting in his room alone and they're cutting to these parties where all these quote unquote normal people are kind of thriving and then i think this is the decade where that dynamic switches a little and those people are kind of find themselves out of the loop and it's people like zuckerberg that are sort of leading where things are going yeah
0: i remember uh i want to say a year or two after seeing the movie i ended up reading the book it's based on the ben mesrick book "Accidental billionaires i think it's called and he details some of the stuff around plenty of the stuff around here but i remember the details around how uh these final clubs worked and it it seemed almost like for pitch, pitch that Sorkin got it immediately how, what, is, what it should look like and how to how to make it seem like something that I mean it comes out later in the movie that Mark is so deeply envious of this world that he can't be a part of and some of the, 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 the laying the groundwork of that is so good here as well for how that's about to unfold for his sort of antipathy or jealousy of Eduardo later in the
1: movie and I think that's what makes this scene complicated is you see these Harvard final club parties right and all you know about this is like these are the best and brightest people, the leaders of the future, or Harvard, right? This movie does it, and then obviously the, the 10 years since does it, it kind of punctures the idea that these people deserve the purse that they've been given. Like the idea that these are the best and brightest people that we have has been so thoroughly discredited. And that's that's one of the few, like in this movie, they do make you sympathize with Zuckerberg a little bit because he has, you know, more intelligence and smarts than anyone. And it's kind of his, victory in a sense that he's does more than any of the people he's envious of at the end of the day but you know the, like the last thing of the movie shows is kind of an empty
0: for sure and you know one <laughs> quick quick sidebar is um i remember reading in the XNL billionaires that the what's being depicted is what i guess at harvard had a reputation for being called the fuck truck which is this bus that would go and pick up girls from bu and bring them to harvard final parties, and this girl that I went to high school with, I remember she went to BU and she described, without using the words fuck truck, she described, oh, we go to Harvard parties and get picked up by this bus and stuff. And I was like, oh, the real world is intersecting with all this reading and film doing that I do too.
1: It's, yeah, it's, and I think, so, I mean, talking more specifically about the film, right? He's, Zuckerberg is describing, like you said, this very complicated real computer jargon Mm -hmm. the whole time what it takes to build this face comparison site. And I don't know, like I'm never bored or confused. It moves really fast. It, you, you mentioned it's eight and a half minutes long. It really doesn't feel that long at all. Yeah. And you see, like working feverishly over a few hours to build this thing. And it gives you just enough, right? Of
0: the like, need to use this to do this, but whatever. Like, it's, it's enough for you to know exactly what's happening. It's not, it's not, it, it has the jargon, but it's not used in a convoluted
1: way. Yeah, it's, it's confusing enough that you know he's a genius, but it's not confusing, too confusing to Good, follow. Yeah, exactly. Perfectly, perfectly said. And then there's this one, I mean, the one exchange that I think is meaningful is Eduardo saying, like, do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. To me, that encapsulates so much of, like, a lot of these sort of new tech innovations where there's a reluctance considering to consider whether you should do something. You know, it's more like...
0: The Jurassic Park thing.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm happy you brought up Eduardo because one thing I took away from this scene... Again, I'm a senior in high school watching this and I was like, oh, I guess everyone just in college gets a Sharpie or dry erase and does their homework on a window. I um, wish that was true. Yeah, because it looks so freaking cool and they've shot it so well. I I'm not trying to go back and wonder if that's even still a detail in what Eduardo's doing in the in the in the scene. If it's already written out or if it's something that just might have been thrown in while they're producing the film.
1: Yeah, no, while while you're looking that up, I guess it's interesting to consider Fincher making this movie. I associate him with Seven and Gone Girl. And I guess the only way you can kind of thematically lump everything together is like he sees Zuckerberg as someone of similar menace. So it does fit with his filmography in a way, but it is cool that he made this.
0: Yeah. So the movies of his I've seen are Seven, Fight Club, Gone Girl, this, and um, what's this one? zodiac zodiac there's another one that i'm i'm thinking of that it's not coming to me right oh benjamin button oh yeah, yeah um yeah. which i would say like benjamin like this is probably just in terms of actual content a little bit closer to benjamin button um because there's dot people being literally murdered but they all mm-hmm. do seem to sort of explore you know we don't have to get into the whole like male driven stories thing because that has a lot of politics to it too that are very valid but this probably isn't the space to discuss but he does tend to explore this sort of loner male and effects of that upon other people intended or unintended if that makes sense
1: yeah it's just i don't know like this scene i, I think jesse eisenberg never found a role to to maximize his talents again like it was here he's so good in this movie I'm sorry have you seen now you see me <laughs> that's true i take it back But he gets to, he's almost like defined Zuckerberg before Zuckerberg had a chance to, kind of like Tina Fey and Sarah Palin. And this sort of like socially awkward, but lethally, lethally smart and still like funny and charming in like this very putting way. I think that's a great performance. I know the first few times I saw it, I was fully enthralled with Eduardo and like felt so bad for him. But he has a bigger like emotional arc, but Jesse Eisenberg is great.
0: Yeah, I would say Andrew Garfield probably gives my favorite performance in the movie, but Eisenberg gives an incredible one nonetheless. Really quickly to close the loop on this, uh, it is written into the scene that Eduardo is writing with a grease marker on the window. But do you want to move into related readings?
1: Yeah, sure. Wouldn't you? Do you have anything specific?
0: Yeah, I mean, this movie is so. I don't know even how to compare this to another movie that that comes up that I could
1: think of immediately.
0: Like, I almost just want to compare it to itself, right? So I I think
1: you're right in that it's almost uncomparable. Like, I don't know what else in other movies would rise to this level because I think these sort of movies that explain complicated topics in the latter half of the decade, they go the big short way and try to make it funny and ironic and cynical and, you know, use Anthony Bourdain and stuff like that. This doesn't do that, so the scenes that jump out to me from this specific movie are obviously the opening where he's talking to Erica at the bar and then the uh, confrontation with Eduardo when he finds out he's been cut out of the company by Justin Timberlake and Jesse Eisenberg at the end.
0: yeah, i I, I do want to I do tend to want to compare it to itself almost like there there isn't quite a movie like it. I would say in terms of the you're, you you made a really smart point. I think that should be reiterated about the there's a lot of subtext about. There's a lot of subtext, subtext, excuse me, generally happening in this movie that in movies like uh, Big Short are done as actual text, and I think it's done to really good effect in the Big Short, but it's just done differently. Mm-hmm. In terms of movies that I think have really big ideas, but tell them in a really intelligently written subtext in this way, and big ideas, frankly, that I think apply to. I mean, I don't want to sound too soapboxy, but just who who we are in 21st century United States. Honestly, I think of There Will Be Blood, and the writing of that movie is obviously very different, and it's done very, very differently as it should be because it just takes place in like what the 19th century or early 20th century. But the actual what it's getting at and how it's getting at it, the devices it's using to do that—that's sort of the first movie I think of. And I know I sound like a major, major film bro saying that, but these those are. I can't help it, th- this and there will be Blood are two of my favorite movies ever, and that's sort of the through line I see, I see between the two.
1: Yeah, you get the impression that, that America wants to see itself still with, like, It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington type movies, even, like, whatever modern versions of those are. But I agree, like, There Will Be Blood and Social Network are essentially the story of, it, of how we are.
0: For sure. On that note, we were hopefully going to have time to bring in Mark Zuckerberg for an interview, but I think we've run a bit long, so we're going to have to bump him. Maybe he'll come in for our next episode about, I don't know, Sakaria or something. He'll want to hear some, he'll want to give his thoughts.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see. I know he has a lot of opinions.
0: But yeah. yeah, we have gone long, so I just want to thank you for listening if you have been. And on behalf of Ditya, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.